we are going to uh, do something a little different today because we have a special guest with us, and I heard the message last night and just really good deposit of you know these things I was even talking about, just, just depositing in us. How many of you guys have heard Pastor Mike playing uh, before? All right, several of you guys have, so you guys are familiar. We, we have Pastor Mike in with us a couple times a year generally, and he always has a right now word for us. And if you don't know who Pastor Mike is. Pastor Mike Plain has been a pastor for years and years and years in different capacities and pastored churches, been on staff at churches. He pastors pastors. Um, he's the, the, to me, though, he's been a, a good personal friend of mine for 20-plus years now. You know, it's say, you know, they say it takes a long time to become old friends, right? And so I'm thankful that I have, friend, have had friends for a long time. You know, I heard somebody say a long time ago uh, that... I'm always suspicious of people whose closest friends are always their newest friends. Because that says that there's not, there's not a willingness to walk through life together. Because you got ups and downs in life, right? And so you need people who are going to walk through the ups and downs in life with you. And I'm thankful to have people like Pastor Mike Plain in my life to be able to give me a call or have conversations or we hang out and, and can speak into each other's life. And I believe he's going to speak into our lives today. So would you give Pastor Mike a big hand as he comes and brings the word? It's good to be with you again. You know, they say, blessed are the short-winded, for they shall be invited again. <laughs> Let's see if this is my last time or not. It is good to be with you. You know, there's something about, um, I think one of the things, too, Pastor Sean, with having old friends is, is really um, a declaration of accountability. If all you have is new friends, it's probably somebody that doesn't want to really be accountable and accountability is one of the things today that's missing in our culture because of autonomy. We want to be autonomous. We don't want to be accountable. But I stand here today because of, of men and women like Pastor Sean and Becca in my life who I, I'm also accountable to. You know, he speaks into my life as much as I speak into his life. You know, sometimes I think he speaks better things into my life than what I speak into his life. So there's a reciprocalness of and accountability today. And so we could preach on that today, accountability, but it's something else I believe God wants to share with you. You know, also, I think it's imperative for us to recognize something is that when, when the Spirit of God comes into a place in, in a more tangible way, that place becomes sacred. Okay? It becomes a sacred place. And, and, it, and one aspect, you know, we look at the metal building and brick and mortar and everything, but, but the moment we invite Jesus into our midst, it becomes a sacred place. It becomes holy ground. You see, in just a few weeks, Arrowhead Stadium, which is a place of competition, it's a place of commercialism, all of those things, it will become a, a holy place, a sacred ground. Why? Because Jesus will be invited there to be in the midst. And so 
of those of you that are going there, when you step in there, you'll sense it's different because it's a holy ground. I heard this saying. I use it a lot. I love it. It says uh, hard soil or hard ground becomes um, or hard soil becomes holy ground where the presence of God is. And I've just seen a lot of times where that hard soil is, is the hearts of people. You work with people and, and you try to help them and, and you do all these things and it just seems like it's, it's impenetrable. It's hard to permeate that hard ground. But then when the presence of God shows up, it just becomes holy, holy ground. And their lives are transformed. And that's why I believe more and more in the days that we are in and the days that we are moving into, the Spirit of the, I felt like the Spirit of the Lord spoke this to me just the other week. He said that more and more in the future, what we're going to see is more and more of our church meetings, our church services will not be about Jesus, meetings about Jesus, but they'll be meetings with Jesus. And I so look forward to that. And even today, I sense that this is about meeting with Jesus. Just as we were worshiping and the collectiveness of our hearts and our voices becoming one and and unison and our focus becoming one who's on the King of kings and the Lord of lords. See, this is all about Jesus. And I think we don't need to be shy about that. For too long, it's like the the church has just kind of shied away from just, you know, really even talking about Jesus. You know, it's sad to say that, that there were some churches just a couple of weeks ago on Easter who never even spoke about the resurrection. The focus was not the resurrection. On Easter. I've been in some churches where they've asked me not to speak about sin They've asked me not to speak about the blood of Jesus. I said, well, do you believe in salvation? Oh, yes, we wholeheartedly believe in salvation. I said, well, how can you believe in salvation or preach salvation without not talking about sin and the redemptive blood of Christ? But that's where we had gotten in the church world. Not you all, but, but I'm speaking in a general term. We'd gotten to that place. And I'm like, well, why go to church? Just go to a Tony Robbins event. You'll get just as much, you know, cost you more, maybe. I don't know. Probably cost you a lot in the long run with your life. And so I'm, I'm just, I'm adamant in these days, it's more so than ever, I think, about us understanding Understanding the eternal value of the presence of God in our lives. Not just when we come to church, but every day in our homes. Experiencing the presence of God. Where we're living, experiencing the presence of God. Because it's in his presence that our lives are transformed. That we're changed. It's in his presence is where wisdom and knowledge is released into our lives. It's in his presence is where joy unspeakable and full of glory comes into our lives. It's in his presence. 
And I, I long for his presence. I long for his presence. There's a term that, um, again, I believe that I'm very careful about, you know, so the Lord said, but I, what I feel, I sense that the Spirit of God spoke to me some time ago. I was, I was teaching a three-week series for a school of ministry um, that one of the churches I work with was having. I was teaching the school on, on Zoom. And uh, there are some things, thank God, for technology, right? You know? And so I was, they wanted me to teach on um, how to keep from getting burnout in ministry. And so I was, the three-week series, the first series I was teaching on was about living a Sabbath life, okay? About how to Sabbath in our lives and what we do. And so as I was preparing for that, I, I kept hearing this term is that ancient keys unlock contemporary treasures. Ancient keys unlock contemporary treasures, and as I was just praying and preparing, I come across this, this bit of information. It was back in 1980 when John Wimber and the Vineyard Church movement, if you remember that John Wimber and Vineyard Church, Vineyard Music. Okay, you're all too young. Either that or you're not, you're being shy about saying, yeah, I remember go back that far. But um, one of the things that John Wimber attributed to the, to the outbreak, to the powerful move of the Spirit of God and the, uh, the Vineyard Church planting movement and the music and the, the effect that it had and really the reality of what happened back then is the reason that we're sitting here today in some aspect because of what that broke into our culture, what that birth maybe is a better way, into our culture is that we're living from some of the seeds of that today, the fruit of that today. And so John Wimber said one of the things they had discovered this prayer from the 1200s and they began to pray this prayer consistently. They begin to cry out to God from this prayer consistently. And he said it's one of the things that attributed to the Spirit of God moving like he did through the Vineyard Church movement. I'm going to read you this, this prayer this morning. It's very simple, but it's very powerful. It says this, come Holy Spirit. It's like this morning we were just saying come. Come, you know, if you invite Jesus, he'll, he'll respond to that. And if you respond to Jesus, he'll take you up on it. Pastor Sean said something last night about our yes, about our yes. And I leaned over to him later and I said, you know, it was Mary's yes that started this whole thing. When Mary said yes to the angel, to the spirit of God, it's what started this whole salvation process. Just think about if Mary wouldn't have said yes. Now, sure, you would say, well, God would have found somebody else. But, but God specifically, prophetically, came to her. And the power of her yes. Think about it. That's the power of your yes. Whatever it is that maybe the Spirit of God is coming to you and asking of you to do for the kingdom of God, your yes 
can impact generations. Your yes can impact your family for sure. It's untold. The untold value of your yes. It's amazing. So, let's go back to this prayer. Come Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful and kindle in them the fire of your love. Oh God, kindle in us the fire of your love. Let your love be burning in us. Be burning in us. You know how to, know, how to tell if somebody's been in the presence of God. There's a burning about them. You know, the angel, the order, there's different orders of angels. and The order of angels that are closest to the, uh, to the throne of God are called the seraphim, the seraphs. That word seraphs means the burning ones. So when you get close to the presence of God, there's a, there is a burning within you, an intensity within your hearts, within your lives, an intensity for the presence of God, intensity of the love of God. Why? Because God is love. You get in the presence of God, you become a lover. Become a lover of God, you become a lover of humanity. And even in our midst of, of, of today's culture, and people are nasty. Not you all. People are nasty. I travel. I'm in airports. I'm on airplanes. People are nasty. And when we're closer to the presence of God, we just we begin to love even the nasty ones. Send forth your spirit, and they shall be created, and you will renew the face of the earth. Oh, that's kind of what my message is about today. It's about renewal and revival. And our prayer is, and you will renew the face of the earth. God is in to renewing, making old things new, making dead things alive, making blind things to see. He's into making new. That's what he wants to do in your lives today. Whatever it is, the area that is, is maybe barren in your life right now, whether it's your area of hope is barren in your life, maybe it's faith, maybe, you know, maybe it is love. God, what? He wants to move in your life in such a way that it becomes new, becomes fresh in your life. And you will renew the face of the earth. Lord, by the light of the Holy Spirit, you have taught the hearts of your faithful in the same spirit, help us to relish what is right and always rejoice in your consolation. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. That simple prayer caused a revival to happen in this country. And in, 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 in my desire, what I'm giving my life to, what I'm being spent and spending and being spent for is to see a sweeping move of the wind of the Spirit of God to blow across this nation and to cause fire to be deposited into the hearts of people. But in the process of, because uh, uh, sometimes we get mixed up, we think revival comes and then there's renewal. But actually, it's the other way around. There's a renewal that happens, and renewal is about us. Before it happens outside of church, it happens in here, the body of Christ. A renewal. And so 
coming up, even this prayer, there's, um, you know, ancient keys unlock contemporary treasures. I began to think about the word, not just a word, but really the liturgy. How many of you ever heard the liturgy? You know, if you come from maybe any denominational background, that's more of a familiar term. You know, the liturgy. Well, the liturgy is really just about disciplines. And it's about praying ancient words in, in a formational way. And so in, in, in this, this prayer, but even beyond that, in the last several years, what I began to do is I began to compile ancient prayers, the prayers of the ancient forefathers, some of the desert fathers and, and, and some of the, you know, Tertullian and Maximus the Confessor, Irenaeus, Ignatius, Polycarp, some of those who laid so much of their lives down to, to lay a foundation for the kingdom of God upon the earth. And I begin to come across some of their prayers and I begin to pray their prayers. They're so powerful. They're so powerful. And to have those disciplines within our lives, I think is one of the things that, that we've let go of because, you know, we, we try to everything. Yes, God is doing new things, but God takes the ancient things and he unlocks treasuries for our present time with them. And so go with me to Genesis chapter 26. We're going to look at something from there. This is where I want to springboard from today. That was just a warm-up. They haven't even started the clock yet. Genesis 26, we're going to primarily look at verse 18, but I'm going, to, I'm going to back up a little bit and just read some things to you to help bring this into context. This is the, the account of Isaac, and there was a famine in the land, so he goes, he moves down to Gerar, is primarily the region of the Philistines, and, and uh with the intention of going on down to Egypt. And God says, no, I don't want you to go any further. You stay here. You know, and sometimes we don't take time to hear where God wants us to stay. <laughs> sometimes we're, we're trying to be so transient. And God says, I, this is a place where I have powerful things to have. And these are the place where I have you to bear much fruit. And if you're transient, you miss that place and miss that sacred moment. And so he ends up there, and, and, uh, and so it says that in verse 12, and it said, And Isaac sowed in the land and reaped in the same year a hundredfold. And the Lord blessed him, and the man became rich and gained more and more until he became very wealthy. And he had possessions of flocks and herds and many servants, so that the Philistines envied him. What is it that you possess that the world envies? Is there anything that you possess that the world envies? And I'm not talking about tangibles. I'm talking about the character that you walk in. Maybe the peace that you walk in. What is, what is the things, that, the intangibles of your life that the world envies, or is there anything? See, I want the world to envy the peace of God that's on my life. I want to walk into the midst of chaos and the peace of God that's, that's on me or the favor of God that's on me. Psalm chapter 5, verse 12 says, The favor of God is like a shield around us. 
You just walk into a place with the peace and the favor of God on you. And what? Begins to change the environment. I want that. That's the kind of things I want to be envied for. Not for my four-wheel drive truck. I'm about to put a lift kit and big tires on. and I mean, come on. I'm being silly. But I am doing that. I am putting a lift kit and big tires on it. I showed it to Pastor Sean. He just shook his head. And said, Some kids just never grow up. Right, Bruce and Marie? Some kids just never grow up. So now the Philistines, he, he had great possessions that the Philistines envied him. Now the Philistines had stopped and filled with earth the wells of his father's servant, the wells that his father's servants had dug in the days of Abraham his father. And Abimelech said to Isaac, Go away from us, for you're much mightier than we are. And so Isaac departed from there and encamped in the valley of Gerar and settled there. And verse 18. And Isaac dug again the wells of water that had been dug in the days of Abraham his father, which the Philistines had stopped after the death of Abraham. And he gave them the names that his father had given them. But when Isaac's servants dug in the valley and found there a spring of water, and the herdsmen quarreled with uh, Isaac's herdsmen. For the sake of time, I'm not going to read all that, but we go on to see that Isaac dug three more wells after that. We stop and look at this um, because as I was studying this and just meditating upon this, it said that Isaac dug again the wells of his heart. What is it? That's renewal. He renewed the wells of his father. And it said that, that the Philistines had stopped those wells, or another translation says this, the Philistines filled Abraham's wells with rubbish. See, it's so easy today to allow the rubbish of our culture to fill our lives. And it stops up, really, the life that is within us. If not stopping it, surely restricts the flow, the life of God, that we have the potential to allow to be present in our lives. And so all of us, every one of us are susceptible to this. You know, whether you're watching one, one news channel or another or listening to one talking head or the other or whatever it is. See, if you're not careful, that rubbish will start filling your lives and start restricting the flow of the Spirit of God in your lives. The movement of the Spirit of God in your lives. Hearing, because our hearts become in, encapsulated, our hearts become consumed with the voice of the culture, the voice of the world, rather than the voice of the Spirit of God. And so Isaac went back and he dug the wells of his father. And then it says that he go out and it says that he gave them the names that Abraham had given him. What is that? That's a type of revival. So what we see is renewal and revival, all within this scripture. You say, well, what, how did... What do you do? What, what, how did he dig these wells? What, what, what is it that digs the rubbish out of our lives? Well, I mean, I'm going to give you several things. Probably, you know, if I asked you right now, what would those be? You'd probably fire them right off. But some of the things that will dig the rubbish out of your lives would be the Word of God. 
proclaiming the word of God in your life. Prayer. Prayer is one of the things that keeps our lives, our hearts pure and flowing. Worship. Oh my gosh, you come into a place like this, you can't help but have a, a refreshingness, a cleansing in you from the presence of God in this kind of worship. You know, I, I, I really, um, Aaron had sent me the album, the new latest album they have. I was listening to it on the way over here, and I was like, oh, my gosh. It's one of those where you just maybe got to pull the car over. It's just so powerful, so good. But here's, here's a fourth thing I want to maybe bring about. Fourth thing that really keeps the wells dug, keeps the health. Is the, is the desire or the heart to honor. Because that's what Isaac did before he did anything else. He went back and honored his father, honored what his father had done in the land, in the earth, by digging those wells. He went back and honored his father by first attending to those wells. And I think that's something in our time. If we really want to uh, experience a renewal in our lives, then we need to really evaluate how we're honoring. Honoring, you know, those individuals. Honoring the different things that have happened, how God has moved in our lives. And not let loose of that sense of honor. So I'm just going to act on what I saw. And this is Bruce and Marie, can you come up here? Can you guys come up here? I have known Bruce and Marie Jones for years. A lot of years. Pastor Sean and Becca, would you come up here and just lay hands on them? I, I'm just doing what the Spirit of God told me to do. In honoring the two of you. Because only heaven knows the hours, the weeks, the months, the years that you have prayed for people like me. For the lives that you have touched through your wisdom, through your love, and through your grace, the grace that is on the two of you. That's something that I've always seen upon the two of you. You've been such graceful people, the grace of God. And I want to thank you for that. I want to thank you because I know, I know you've prayed for me through the years. And Lord only knows I needed it. But only God knows the effect of your prayers upon my life. I probably don't even realize and understand the, the effect of the, your prayers through the years on my life. And, and myriads of others. And so I, I want to honor you and say thank you. Thank you so much. And you're not done yet. This isn't about you're not done yet. No, there's so much more. There's so much more that God has for you. There's so many more. There's so many more that need your prayers. There's so many more that need your love. There's so many more that need your grace. And so I thank you, Father, for the spirit of might and the spirit of power that resides within this couple.
so that they may release their grace and the love of God that is permeates and saturates their lives. So that others will be t- touched by that. But not only touched like, by that, but their lives will be transformed in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. I love you guys. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. See, we, we not only need, or here's what we need. We need to honor the past, but we need to water the future. And it's a work. It's a synergistic work that really God wants us to do. He wants us to honor the past, but he also wants us to be people that have the heart to water the future. Because, you see, that's what, that's what Isaac did. He first went back and honored his father and redug it. And then what did he do? He went on and dug his own wells. Amen. See, Bruce and Marie, have, there's other, you know, if you would talk to them, there's people that they've on. We just talked a little bit this morning about, you know, planting churches and different things. and like that. But they went on and began to dig their own wells. They began to water the future, began to water individuals' futures like mine and Pastor Sean and Becca. You may or may not understand the value that is in your life to water someone's future. Because you see, the things that God does for you sometimes isn't just about you. We have to understand that. The things that God does for you isn't necessarily just about you. But God does it for you so that you can begin to become a well digger and water the future of someone else. That's why I do what I do. Because I want to water the future of the church. I want to water the future of the body of Christ. I want to water the future of leaders. Pastor Sean's heard me say this. I said it just a minute ago. But... but, um, I'm, I'm committed. I'm committed to them, and I will most gladly spend and be spent for their success. Why? Because I want to water their future. Why? Because then they'll become well diggers. They already have. They dug a well some, was it 12 years ago? Was it? 16? Sixteen years ago, they dug a well called Journey. And see, what was it? This wasn't about them. Because I know his heart. I know their heart. We talk about this all the time. This well will be here in another hundred years. And it will still be watering and refreshing, and renewing, and reviving untold myriads of people. That's what our lives are about. So we have to be honoring the past, which is renewal. And then we need to be watering the future, which is about revival. And that's really what revival is about. It's not about us getting all excited. It's not about us running around like a bunch of crazy people. We can do that. I'm not against that. But if you study revivals, revivals are what watered the future. 
That's why we're here today. Is because there were revivals that watered our future. So, we've come through this crazy time, or we're even maybe in the, hopefully in the end throes, there's still some, a lot of, you know, the crisis effect that we've been in in the last several years. But if you study um, renewals and revivals, especially renewals, they always followed a crisis. So crisis always precedes renewal. And so when you stop and think about this, even in the midst of, of, of everything going on, this is the reason that we can be people of hope. This is the reason that we can be people of conviction. This is the reason that we can be people of faith. Why? Because crisis always precedes a renewal. So we've been through this crisis, so I'm beginning to see the beginnings of a renewal, a move of the Spirit of God across our nation. And renewal is always what ignites a revival. And we, dear Lord, we know our nation needs a revival, amen? That's why I, I'm, I'm so glad in uh, uh, things like the sin. I mean, you can fill a stadium with, with people crying out to God. I, I said this last night, probably not the greatest analogy, but it's like I, I, I was moving something for my wife the other day in, in the eternal landscaping mode that we're in. Dear Lord. Maranatha, come Lord Jesus. And so I moved this thing and it was just under it was just this, this mass of ants. And, and when I picked up these ants just went everywhere. And that's kind of the picture that I have of the sin is that there's going to be this collective of, of I'm not calling people ants, but in, in, this, in this, and I just saw this coming out of Arrowhead was just like this people on with the, the fire of God on them, just ignited people with the passion of God on them, people with, with the spirit of God and the power of God. I'm just like spreading out like ants. And they're going to be coming from all reasons. They're going to be coming internationally. And, just, and those people are just going to be carrying with them into their, their communities and their churches and their regions and their nations this fire of God. And Lord only knows what's going to happen. God only knows what's going to happen. But we can have an expectation. Why? Because crisis always precedes renewal. And so because of that and knowing that, it elevates our expectation. It elevates what we're looking at. Do you see it? Do you see it? Because what you focus on increases. And so if you begin to, to begin to focus on what it is and how it is that God is moving and, and have, an, have an inkling or an insight into what God is doing and seeing, you begin to see it. You begin to see it in a lot of different places in a lot of different ways. So in a time of crisis, we can have a tendency to forget who we are and who God is. We get caught up in the fear and the fervor of the crisis which is like the rubbish that fills our wells. But crisis is always an opportunity for renewal. And listen to this. 
As the gap between what our culture promises and what it delivers grows wider, its failures create openings for the gospel. So many people today see them as the things that they were hoping the culture, the things of the culture, the works of, of, of man, they, were, they were, uh, had a high expectation that they were, that was going to be the answer for their life. That's what was going to bring fulfillment to their life. That was what's going to bring joy to their life. And it's failing. And as those things fail, there becomes a greater gap between what people, uh, uh, the confidence that people are putting in those things. And now they're looking for something. Or they're looking for someone to give them an answer, someone to show them a way, someone to touch their life in such a way for the hopelessness and the pain and the disparity that's in their lives. And we have the answer, or we should possess it on our lives, okay? And so as that, as that, I tell you what, it's almost like <laughs> we are moving into the days. It's almost like you could get up and say, Mary had a little lamb. And people just fall, I mean, people will just fall on their faces and cry out to God. It's getting to that point. I know that sounds a little, you know, facetious and being a little humorous. But it is getting to that point to where the, where the people are so desperate today. We need to understand that. We think they're hardened. We think they're, they're not. People are open today. All we have to do is allow the Spirit of God to make sure that there is that, that water flowing out of our lives. I was on an airplane last year, and I was reading a book. I've maybe told that story here. Uh, but anyway, this lady asked me, she says, are you reading that book because you want to or you have to? And I said, no, I'm reading it because I want to. It was an old, it was a classic that I was reading. And she said, I've never known anybody that read that book because they wanted to. She said, I had to read it in college and I hated it. And it, so it started this conversation. And eventually it always gets to, what do you do? And I said, well, I do consulting for churches and I speak and do, I pastored for X amount of years and blah, 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 blah. And she goes, oh, I used to go to church and just kind of threw that out there as she was talking. And, and so I let her talk for a little. I said, well, well, I want to back up a little bit in your conversation here. I said, I noticed when you talked about church, it was past tense. And she said, yeah, I haven't been to church for a long time. And I said, why? And she stopped and gave me this look and she said, I don't know why. I said, then maybe we ought to talk about that. And we had this amazing conversation. I was just letting water pour. I was just letting water pour. And we get off the plane and get in the terminal. She's taking a left. I'm taking a right. I can't remember. She told me her name. I'll just call her Jane. And uh, I said, hey, Jane. She stopped around. I said, I'll see you in church on Sunday. And she goes, I think you will. That's a simple story, but it's so profound in many ways because that's where a lot of people are living their lives. And God has called us to be wells individually, but then corporately we come together 
They become places of refreshing. And it's just simple as that. You know, we go on and see that in the wells that, that Isaac dug, they named him. And it's interesting because it's a picture. So he dug the first well, it was called contention. He dug the second well, it was called opposition. He dug the third well, and it was called flourishing. See, in the midst of, of contention and opposition, what was it? Isaac kept digging. In the days that we are living in, in the midst of the contention and the opposition that we see in our culture, maybe we experience in our culture, don't let it keep you from digging. Don't let it keep you from digging. Keep digging in your lives. Keep praying for that contentious and obstinate neighbor. Don't quit or coworker, whatever it is. Keep digging. Because you know what? We are entering the days of flourishing. Renewal is God's way of cleansing and rediscovering the means in which we exist and operate in, in, in advancing the kingdom of God. In Revelation chapter 21, verse 5, the Lord said this, And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. And he also said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. God says, I'm making all things new. That's what God is in the business of, is restoring and renewing in our lives, yes. In our communities, yes. In our families, yes. That's what, God, that's what we need to know God is doing today. He's making all things new. And he said this, write this down. These words are trustworthy and true. They're not going to change. I don't know about you, but when I read that, when I think about that, these words, God's promises, God's prophecies are trustworthy and true, and they're for you and I today. Amen? Stand with me this morning. God, thank you that you stir our hearts. Thank you, Lord, that as we honor the past and water the future, God, you, you move in such a way through that. And you begin to release the spirit by your spirit on the earth. Just a, a renewal and awakening. And people, God, are drawn. I pray right now, Lord, the people, people outside of the body of Christ, people outside of the church world, begin to be drawn. There is a drawing 
because of what they're seeing, because of, of what they're picking up on. They may not even understand because as, this, as we become vessels of renewal, as we become wells of living water, there's refreshers, things of the life of God coming out of us. I thank you, Lord, that people are drawn to that. People are drawn to Journey Church because it's a place where there's like this this refreshing. There's this place where there's this water of heaven flows. There's it's this place, God, that that their lives are touched. That transformation and reformation and inspiration happens in their lives. And so, Lord, I thank you. I thank you that we were born for such a time as this. That we were called for such a time as this. That we are living today for such a time as this. But not just to be spectators. But Lord, I pray, I pray that each and every individual in this room realizes, has a glimpse of, of the importance of their life, of the power that's in them. hope for someone that is in their life and through their life in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Pastor Sean. Amen. Can we give Pastor Mike a big hand and honor him for that word? I, I felt in a lot of ways that this was like part two of my message last week. Re, remember, repent, return. We can just add renewal and revival onto the part two. And I'm always amazed because every time Pastor Mike preaches, it's like he preaches three times and every sermon is the same and different at the same time. So I, it's, it's awesome because every time you get something new. Um, I heard this, and I don't know if this is just for somebody, but I, I just feel like I'm supposed to speak it out. Get information, but be careful what you dwell on. Because I think sometimes we confuse the two. And especially in the things that you're talking about, it's like the presence of God and digging these wells and the rubbish that can get in there. Yeah, we need to stay informed, but be careful that information doesn't turn into meditation. And so we need to meditate on the things of God. So God, we, we wanna meditate on those things right now. We, we take these seeds that you've planted in our heart right now, and God, we say, let them go down deep, be planted in good soil and produce a harvest in our life. We want the things of God to grow in our life. Not fear, not distraction, not worry, not cares of this life, not vain pursuits. Lord, we want the things of you to grow deep in our heart. Renew those things so that revival can come. And Lord, we, we respond with our worship in Jesus' name. Let's worship right now. 